Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. This is episode number eight in the Path to Happiness series. We've been considering how Jesus describes the truly blessed or the most happy kind of life. If you were to search on the web for how to be happy, what tips or suggestions do you think you would find? The results that I first found were suggestions like, hey, get more friends or work from home. Get a stationary bike. Eat breakfast by a window. One suggestion I saw was smile more, dance. Another site I saw online was uh, choose fruit over chocolate. And my favorite was if you'd like to be more happy or a blessed person, get a pet. Jesus suggests and describes the blessed life in a very different way. In Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we read, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's where we are today, that verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus continues, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus seems to be going to another level here. See, truly happy people, the truly blessed people, are persecuted people. Persecuted for what? Well, not for race, ethnicity, or political affiliation. Jesus says, for righteousness. Verse 10 and verse 11 are parallel. They go together. Jesus says, blessed are you, or truly happy are you. When people say all kinds of things against you, insult you, persecute you, uh, because of me, meaning himself. Jesus equates himself, then, with righteousness. Persecution arrives as a result of living a verses 3 through 9 lifestyle. There is a difference between being persecuted for being like Christ and being ridiculed for anything else. I mean, let's be clear about that. You may say, well, I know lots of people that don't like me. I'm a persecuted Christian. And I would probably ask, are you sure? An example would be, it's, you know, it's not persecution when we don't get the promotion because of a poor work ethic. It's, it's not persecution when we're confronted for being rude. It's not persecution if someone doesn't like whom we voted for. This is for being as Jesus. That's what Jesus is describing. The persecution he's talking about is the person who's persecuted because of being as him. So what might that persecution look like? Jesus describes it in verse 11. Insults, falsely... Uh, false accusations or falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Hmm. So persecution can be an insult, false testimony. Sometimes it's physical harm, sometimes even murder. But it's because of being like Jesus. And Jesus taught his disciples about it in John chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would have... It would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, 
they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Hmm? They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Persecution takes lots of different forms, but the reason for the persecution Jesus is speaking of is because of being like him. Why was Jesus hated, some might ask. I mean, a lot of people really liked Jesus, what he had to say, and the influence that he's had, but why would someone hate Jesus in that time? Well, Jesus was hated for his righteousness, for being Jesus, and so too will anyone who is like him. He not only taught his disciples about persecution, but actually promised it. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, he tells his disciples, Then you'll be handed over and persecuted to be put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. Not the kind of promise most disciples, I'm, gl- I'm guessing, would grab onto or hold onto. But it's not only promised to them. Later, the Apostle Paul, who would himself face terrible persecution because of loving others enough to tell them about Jesus, writes a clear warning to all believers in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He writes, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Interestingly enough, there are a lot of differences between what Jesus taught about following him and what is taught today in our cultural context about the Christian life. And I'm speaking of the cultural context of the United States of America. I know there's many listening outside of our country, but one of the biggest differences we see here between uh, living the life of Christ, living the Christian life in the States and in other places around the world is sometimes a lack of intense persecution. Sometimes churches here and preachers here, uh, we actually withhold the promise of persecution. And the reason why is because it's not just a sellable notion. We just don't want to talk about it. It's not a very happy thing to talk about. But the scriptures are clear that truly following Jesus will bring persecution. You know, I've wondered for myself, what could it say about my faith that I have not yet endured mighty persecution for his sake? Now, I should say Jesus isn't commanding to try and go get persecuted. It's simply a statement of reality for those who are living a verses 3 through 9 kind of life. For the early church, persecution was a reality, and they needed encouragement in light of it. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, Paul writes to encourage believers who are suffering, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Is this real in your cultural context? Maybe you're in a place and you live in a location where tolerance is really kind of the virtue of the day. And compared to other cultures where I live, um, there is a form of tolerance for sure. But if Jesus' description of happiness in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 9 is true in our life, then it's more likely a form, uh, the persecution you're facing is the form that we see in how he describes persecution in verses 10 through 12. And if it's not happening now, then maybe it will be in the future. But a question that is fair to ask is, why would anyone persecute righteousness? Who would want to persecute the merciful person or the pure-hearted person or the peaceful person? Jesus actually tells us the answer in John chapter 3 in verses 20 and 21. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Evil hates those who embody the qualities described by and found in Jesus. He was persecuted, so too will anyone resembling him. How many peacemakers preaching the gospel of peace through Christ are beaten, jailed, and killed every day? 
How many believers around the world are ridiculed because of, uh, in pursuing righteousness, they refrain from something that darkness calls good. They refrain from something that darkness calls good and we call sin or we call selfishness. Genuine righteousness condemns other people by implication. It creates a tension in those not living in God's righteousness. And this is another reason why people would persecute those who are righteous. They don't want to experience that tension. And maybe you experienced pushback before in your life when you've shared what God's word says. Like maybe you've talked about Jesus being the only way or you've talked about how to care for the refugee or you've talked about um, what it means to be a husband or means to be a wife or anything, I guess. God's view of money. See, being uh, being, uh, popular is one thing, but being like Jesus is another. (laughs) Being like Jesus is more than sharing your view on what God's word says on popular topics. People hated Jesus not only for what he said, but also for what he did, whom he served and hung out with, when and who and how he healed. You can read about that in Luke chapter 6. People get really upset because Jesus healed on the wrong day. And John chapter 11, when Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, not everyone was happy about that. People got upset when Jesus spoke about how to forgive. And they got upset with him and plotted to kill him And when he saw how he loved and how he gave of himself. When was the last time you were persecuted for being too forgiving, too patient, too kind, or too generous? If you're living out of Christ's righteousness in the world, people aren't going to like you. And as for me, if I must be persecuted, I I want it to be clear to the world that they're persecuting me for being as Christ. Sometimes I think that maybe I'm too cowardly. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 states that the cowardly will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Would we expect people outside the church to push back? Hmm. We should expect it, I guess. But have you ever thought about how much persecution happens amongst Christians themselves? Just one believer to another? Slander? False testimony? Maybe sometimes persecution comes from within. Have you ever been persecuting others lately because of their desire to follow Jesus and his mission for those who follow him? So, how are the disciples then, and the ones to come, meaning us, supposed to respond to this persecution? Well, let's look at those scriptures again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then verse 12. Here's the response that we should have. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hmm. Jesus gives says to rejoice when you're persecuted. How can we be glad when we are hated, mocked, tortured, killed? And the answer is found in the promise Jesus said in those verses there. For great is your reward in heaven. Why can we be glad for persecution? Number one, because the kingdom of heaven is yours. That's why we can. And number two, Jesus says, because there's a great reward. Jesus encourages disciples to desire the reward of heaven more than the rewards of the world. And and, and compare God's reward of his recognition and affirmation versus like human reward. A third reason we can be glad for persecution is because we're in good company. Jesus said this happened to the prophets, the apostles, and himself. What is happening to you if you're being persecuted for Christ's sake and for righteousness' sake? What's been happening to you has actually been happening to godly people before you. 
Jesus said that this has been happening since God was speaking through the prophets. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 36 to 38 reminds me of that. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, and they were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Hmm. In light of the saints who lived and endured suffering for righteousness' sake, the author of Hebrews encourages readers to persevere. Maybe you're familiar with these verses found in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In time, the disciples who heard this teaching in Matthew chapter 5, these Beatitudes, as they become, uh, were came uh, to be known, these disciples actually, in time, did rejoice. In Acts chapter 5, verse 41, we see that the apostles left the local religious leaders after a time of imprisonment and beating, and the text says that they were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name that is the name of Jesus. So they worshiped God for the privilege to suffer. These disciples thought Jesus was worth it, that the truth was worth it, that non-believers coming to know Jesus were worth it. But for the disciples, it didn't just stop at that account. In time, they and many Christians in the early church died for their commitment to Jesus and for making Jesus known. To respond with rejoicing is otherworldly, isn't it? Like a superhuman response. It reminds me of Paul and Silas singing while they were imprisoned for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 16. Later, Jesus' disciple Peter shared the same encouragement of rejoicing to believers that were really, really hurting. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, we read, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you, has come to you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. This letter was sent to Christians in what is now known as Turkey. That nation now and its surrounding areas are predominantly not filled with Christ followers. The believers in that area of the world have needed encouragement since the gospel was received there. Ultimately, why it is true that happy or blessed are the persecuted for righteousness or for Christ's sake is because persecution is like a confirmation or a proof of, to self of being members of the kingdom of God. To be accused of being too much like Jesus is the greatest compliment. But Christians right now around the world are being persecuted. You could go to persecution.com or opendoors.org and look at the data, look at the stories, pray for those believers. According to the Pew Research Center, over 75% of the world's population lives in areas with severe religious restrictions. Also, according to the United States Department of State, Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from their governments or surrounding neighbors because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Every month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith, 214 Christian churches or properties are destroyed, and 722 forms of violence are committed against Christians. Persecution is not just a personal experience, but also a communal experience because it's the body of Christ, the family of God. Our brothers and sisters around the world who face such persecution need 
our prayer, need our support, need our encouragement. So what should we do? At a minimum, we should pray for them. Pray for believers who are suffering as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, that we pray for them. We should pray for those who are being persecuted. But I would encourage you to also to pray for the those that are doing the persecuting, that they would come to know, their eyes would be open, that the Spirit of God would open their eyes and that God would speak to them, why are you persecuting me, he would say to them. We can pray for them as well, to bless those who persecute, to pray over them, to pray for our enemies, that they might become part of our family, the family of God in Christ Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.